hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, and welcome, 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 welcome to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, Epi 101, the first episode of Season 2. As previously announced, my plan for Season 2 is to split our usual Suckatash offerings, clips and chats, into separate shows. And that's what you have here in the first show of Season 2, Suckatash Clips. It's all clips, no interviews. So it should be a little more economical time-wise. My goal is to have these shows come in at about or under an hour, and they should be a little easier to produce as well. Our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, grabbed a bunch of comedy podcast clips for this episode. I've pulled a few, so let me give you the rundown of the podcast that we'll be sampling this time out. The 80s Reboot Overdrive podcast, Comedy on Vinyl, Getting On, Hello Internet, the Kundalini Files podcast, That Would Be Me, and The Big Cat Show. In addition, we've got not one but two of our Burst O'Durst segments this show, a classic Henderson's Pants commercial, and the Tweet Sack. So, without further ado, let's get to our first official Succotash Clips show. <laughs> we'll get things started with our resident political and social commentarian, comedian Will Durst. In this first burst of Durst, he's finding a lot to make fun of the fact that there's a new bush on the horizon, potentially and presidentially speaking. Hey guys, Will Durst here to salute Jeb Bush for announcing that he has officially upgraded his status from considering the formation of an exploratory committee to investigate the feasibility of running for the presidency to actually authorizing the formation of an exploratory committee that will investigate the feasibility of running for the presidency which will probably simply consist of conducting a poll asking people how deep their reservoir of bush fatigue is. On a one-to-five scale, with one being, who cares, they're all big fat liars anyway, to five meaning, read my lips, no new bushes, ever, 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 ever. Either way, the Democrats won't be able to exploit the dynasty question as their frontrunner is another candidate named Clinton, meaning that if the two of them win their party's nominations, that will make the 2016 race Bush versus Clinton, a rerun of the 1992 election. 24 years later, and America gets the same choice, only different. Which is great for all us comedians who can trot out our old 1992 material. It's the green thing to do. Nostalgia and recycling, together again for the very first time. Then, in the year 2040, another 24 years down the road, Chelsea Clinton will be 60 years old and George P. Bush 64, and we can do it all over again. And if Jeb Bush actually does become the 45th president of the United States, think of how great it would be for all future American elementary school children who would be able to answer the question, name the last five presidents by counting off on their fingers, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Bush, like a club sandwich with the Bushes as the white bread. And what could be more apropos than that? For Succotash. The Comedy Podcast Podcast. I'm Will Durst. 
Will Durst will be along for a second burst of Durst at the end of the show. You can always get more on the web at his home site, willdurst.com, and or on Twitter, at Will Durst. Now that the holiday break is over, I'm back posting podcast reviews. This past week, for This Week in Comedy Podcasts on Splitsider.com and Huffington Post Entertainment, I took a listen to a couple of very funny episodes of the new Hollywood podcast with Brian Flaherty. On Monday, he had a short 15-minute installment with schlocky 70s film producer Alan Marlowe, followed on Wednesday with an interview with Alan McKay, Will Ferrell's comedic partner in crime. The joke is that Marlowe is a character that McKay started riffing on during his interview with Brian, so they went with that and made it a self-contained bit, which Brian then posted as a special episode. Check that out if you can. Links to it in this show's blog uh, at suckatashow.com. By the way, I also mentioned the Casa Mirth podcast with Dr. Norman Trousers and River Zambezi, and I also pinged the On Brand podcast, which actually is not a comedy podcast, but it is about branding, which is my main day job, and host Nick Westergaard had my friend Pat Hanlon on as a guest, so there, that was the On Brand podcast. If you don't get a chance to catch the Cosm Earth Christmas Spectacular, by the way, you should, if only to hear my stirring introduction to that show. If you're a podcast aficionado, chances are that you've heard James Urbaniak appearing as a guest on any number of shows out there, including The Thrilling Adventure Hour and Comedy Bang Bang. He's a very talented vocal artist as well as an actor and a comedian. And he's had his own podcast called Getting On with James Urbaniak for a while. He doesn't release them regularly. In fact, since 2012, there seem to have only been about 21 episodes. Each one features him, quote, navigating the darkly comedic recesses of his troubled yet charming mind, unquote, according to his home site. Each episode is written by someone else, and they're all about as twisted as this sample you're going to hear from Epi 21, released last Halloween, entitled Restraint. Hello, my name is James Urbaniak, and I am a monster. I don't mean that in a melodramatic way. I don't mean I've done awful things as a human being. I mean, I have. But if that's what I meant, I would say I'm an asshole, which, to be fair, I am. I am a human asshole. I am a human asshole who's also a monster. I'm letting myself off the hook by even saying monster. The truth is, I'm a werewolf. Werewolf. That is very hard to say. Werewolf. It's emotionally difficult for me to say, for obvious reasons. But for a lot of people, it's literally a difficult word to say. Werewolf. 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 You have to work at it. You have to put your tongues back into it, so to speak. You can't half-ass it. Most people say werewolf. And as a werewolf, frankly, this offends me. It really takes a lot of oomph out of telling people you turn into a raging abomination once a month when they can't enunciate. It's like telling someone you're running for president and they reply, wow, president? Not that I tell people I'm a werewolf, not anymore. At first I told a lot of people. No one believed me. They thought I was messing with them. To be fair, I did used to mess with people a lot. I used to say weird things to challenge them, to try to get them to think differently. It was my profession. I was a motivational speaker. If you're keeping track, my name is James Urbaniak, 
I'm a human asshole, a werewolf, and a former motivational speaker. Those things are all equally important. I refuse to be defined by just one label. I was not a particularly successful motivational speaker. I didn't play big rooms, as it were. I mostly did small business retreats, usually in tiny meeting rooms and rural holiday inns. I gave a lot of PowerPoint presentations about unlocking your inner potential to people who made a lot more money than me. Being an unsuccessful motivational speaker is an awkward career at best. It's sort of like being a plumber who can't fix their own toilet. Still, I was proud of my work. My favorite talk was called, Are You Parenting Your Inner Child? Anyway, I'm not a motivational speaker anymore. I'm too busy being a werewolf. Too busy parenting my inner monster. As I record this, I'm in the back of a Winnebago. I am parked deep in the woods outside of Brainerd, Minnesota. There's a chill in the autumn air, but I'm very comfortable in my Winnebago. It's a retro Winnebago, which means it looks like an old Winnebago from the 70s, but on the inside it's fancy. There's a 36-inch HD TV. The floors and roof are easy clean vinyl. I spent my life savings on the down payment. Yes, I spent a life savings on a Winnebago. That should give you a sense of the quality of life one can expect from being a werewolf. There are also monthly payments. Monthly payments. That's a little werewolf humor. <laughs> Speaking of werewolf humor, I'm tied to a chair. Restrained by heavy chains. I left myself enough play so I can still reach the laptop to record this. The chair's comfy, but heavy. It's bolted to the floor. It's a good, solid chair. One of the reasons I decided to go with this model of Winnebago, sturdy chairs. One thing you learn real fast when you're a werewolf is that you need a sturdy chair. Early on in my werewolf days, I tied myself to a chair from Ikea and murdered three people. Thanks, Ikea. Not that I'm blaming other people for my problems. I take full responsibility. You are what you do. That's what I used to tell my clients when I was giving a presentation. Well, they stared at me with dead eyes and fondled their blackberries. You are what you do. And that is why I'm recording this, my friends. My future clients. Tonight... I am going to control my actions. Tonight, under the bright, glaring eyes of the full moon, I will not turn into a wolf. Getting on with James Urbaniak is part of the Feral Audio Network. His home site is over on Libsyn, and he's on iTunes as well. On his way to harvesting comedy podcast clips, our associate producer Tyson Saner stumbled headfirst into something called the Southgate Media Group. It's a network of podcasts that got going about a year and a half ago, the brainchild of Rob and Martha Southgate. Almost every show in their lineup, and I counted 24 of them, is dedicated to a TV show. In some cases, like The Flash, there are three or four shows about a particular TV show. There's also a show about video games and one potpourri crazy roundup of a show called 80s Reboot Overdrive. 
That's where this cl- uh, clip comes from, and it features host Dave talking to Southgate Media's heads, Rob and Martha Southgate, along with their seven-year-old daughter, Molly, who co-hosts three of the podcasts with her parents, the Cuckoo for Who, which is about Doctor Who, and two podcasts, not one, but two podcasts devoted to the ABC series Ever After. Molly started podcasting last November, I think, with Ever After, with Once Upon a Time, and we had never seen an episode. So we had to start at the very first episode of the first season and work our way through. And by by the end of summer, we had done 66 episodes with her. Oh, my goodness. Each ah, show... Ah takes about an hour and a half in order to watch it, take notes, and record. So that was a whole lot of work. And by November, a year later, she had done, uh, she had hit her 100th podcast. Yep. Wow. So she's, yeah, she is quite a dedicated uh, little professional. And now she does a lot of the Live at the Blue Boxes with us. She just did a trivia mayhem last night and was a contestant on the game show with two adults and really held her own she was she was I, so after the first winning couple rounds, through most of the game <laughs> yeah and for the first couple of rounds i thought it, okay trivia mayhem is a game show that we made up and it's like every trivia game like trivial pursuit it's like a mashup and, kind of yeah it's a mashup of all the games and you roll the dice and whatever you get is what you have to deal with and we're not talking kids' games. I, In fact, last night, I didn't have any of the kids' ones in there, because sometimes we mix them in, you know? The closest right? thing would have been, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Which, was which is there. brutal for yeah. adults. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so I thought Molly was, you know, maybe losing interest after the first couple rounds. So I thought, okay, let's change it up. And I was going to take whoever had the lowest score and switch them out with somebody else in the audience. Because as we do this game, it's all on the fly. We make it up as we go along. Molly was in the lead. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm like, oh, well, that plan didn't work. Very <laughs> That's well. what happened. Go ahead, tell me. That's what happened. What? Dad asked if anybody wanted to change it up, and I, I said that we should do partner. Yeah, it was really good, and we did then. So we brought cool. up, and yeah. And Molly had a teenage partner, and they almost won. But it was fun. But she, so yes, yeah, so she's quite professional. She keeps us on task and makes sure we actually do the episodes and uh, and all that. But she's, um, yeah, she's done a whole lot in the last year. Well, Molly, I promise you that before 2015 is up, Ellie and I will make it to the blue box at least okay. twice. Oh, wow, at least hope twice. So excellent. And Ellie now lives closer to the blue box than I do. Oh, oh yeah, because she is she yeah they she's in this Indiana. Okay, yeah, so they're moving this next week. So yeah. excellent. Well, we um and we always have a room for you, so you which can is awesome. Here. But uh, yeah, we would. It's it's really Dave can attest to the fact that it's a very fun environment and and it's so it's so rewarding to get that um, immediate gratification for like you get that response from the audience and we do tons of audience participation. We sit there, spend most of the time talking to, to the audience and uh-huh. and having them jump in. So it's very different than when we sit on the couch and talk to each other and go, is anyone actually going to listen to this? You know? I think the most different part is I'm wearing pants when we're at the Blue Box. <laughs> yeah, he's not Aww. wearing... Well, okay. My, he, he my, 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 my only advice is don't sit next to Rob because the audience seems to throw things at him. Yeah, <laughs> He does get booed a lot. 
Yeah. <laughs> Should I wear my cape? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Capes are capes are requi- are required actually. Yeah. To um, put to block away the stuff that's falling. Yes, that would work as a defense. Uh huh. If you have a if you have a shield, yeah, that would work too. But but it's really a fun it's a fun experience to actually get that immediate feedback and and uh, watch the reaction of the crowd as you're as, as you're I talking. anger them. <laughs> as he as he says things like. You know, whatever some Spider-Man thing or whatever was is was his Vietnam, no, and I was like, yeah, um, that really you no, just equated mom. some superhero thing with Vietnam. No, <laughs> maybe I'll have to bring a trash can lid that says Agents Star of. Spider-Man's yeah. good, but Star Wars. No. Oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say, Kelly? I said maybe I'll have to bring a trash can lid stenciled with Agents of. There you go. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That would be oh, Halloween costume for next yes. year. No, we're doing Mum and Sean's. That's going to no, be No, we're not. Halloween I'm costume. not dressing like a mime for any of you. It's going to be Mum and Sean's, and we're just going to wear black leotards. It's going to be awesome. Little Molly has done more than 100 episodes between the various podcasts she's on. Man, I just did my 100th episode of Suckatash. That took me three years to get to. I guess this really is a little girl's game. Check out the 80s Reboot Overdrive podcast and all the rest of the Southgate shows at southgatemediagroup.com. In live me news, I'm going to be hosting the public premiere and follow-up Q&A of Three Still Standing, the documentary I've mentioned before about the San Francisco comedy scene in the 80s. That follows our own Will Durst along with Johnny Steele and Larry Bubbles Brown from then to today as they continue to carve out a comedy career without ever having made the big time. That's going to be part of the 14th annual San Francisco Sketch Fest, and it will be on Thursday night, January 29th, at the Marines Memorial Theater in the city. So find out more and get tickets at sfsketchfest.com. Succotash gets a lot of Twitter love from a number of listeners, but also a heck of a lot of podcasters out there, too. So we like to return that love whenever we can. The Three Cuckoos are a a trio of Yorkshire blokes, Mark, Rob, and Tim, and they sent me a little promo for their show. Here... Hello. The Three Cuckoos Podcast. You are here. You have downloaded us. Thank you very, very much. That's an enormous moth. Final cut of the podcast. We'll leave it to the deaf member of yeah. the group. The deaf member of the group, yeah. How the hell do you masturbate with a hook? <laughs> Kissy fur was pretty good. Gummy Kissy. Whoa, hang on. Kissy fur. Turn your fleece into a trendy gilet. Hello, pets, and welcome to this week's How To. Thank you for the follow, Baratheon. If I can turn back time. Thankings. <laughs> Some cheese and a pickle. Cheese and fine wine. Oh, it's the Three Cuckoos Podcast! That's it for this week's Lucky News. The worst podcast item ever. Tune in, iTunes, Stitcher, download us, subscribe us, yeah. stream us. Visit our blog, because I do that. Yeah, And get us at Three Cuckoos. That would be a show. Hello, friends, and Happy New Year from Henderson's Pants. As you set out with a freshly minted batch of resolutions for the new year, bound and determined to make at least some of them stick, be sure that one of those vows is to get yourself a pair of Old Lang Slacks from Henderson's. Crafted from recycled calendar pages from last year, Old Lang Slacks are then reinforced with the resolve of those who failed to follow through on their plans to better themselves. 
double-stitched with the pain of failure. These pants are designed to stay with you throughout the coming year while keeping you on track when it comes to fulfilling those oh-so-important obligations to yourself. Here's the secret. Thanks to microchip technology, your old Lang slacks are fully wired and ready for you to program in up to one dozen New Year's resolutions or 18 heartfelt promises not to let others down. Each time the pants sense that you're straying off that old resolution path, you'll get a jolt in your nether region that'll make you wish you hadn't slipped into that pair of the most comfortable pants you've ever owned. But too late now. Another vital feature of Henderson's Old Lang Slacks is the accountability time lock zipper and clasp. These pants won't come off until your resolutions are complete. Originally designed for parole violators, deadbeat dads, and political candidates, Henderson's Old Lang Slacks are available to ring in the new year at a church, synagogue, or mosque near you. That's Henderson's, makers of fine hair shirts and Iron Maidens since 1206 A.D. And now, back to Sagatash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt, which reminds me we're going to have another Boozin' with Bill segment coming up in the uh, the very next episode. That'll be a, a Succotash Chats episode, number 102. Look forward to that. We've not heard from our old pal Lionheart for a really long time. Uh, you know, he had me on his, uh, his old internet uh, show back, uh, gosh, we'd probably just gotten started like episode two or three had dropped. Um, he had that internet show for a couple of years ago out of Baltimore, I think, if memory serves correctly. Then he shut it down and headed out west for a bit, landing in San Jose to take care of some family stuff. We were always meaning to get together, but never got a chance to. But the West Coast didn't turn out to suit him, and he went back east once again. I think he's in New York now with his buddy Matt. And that's where his new show, The Big Cat Show, booms out of live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So here's a little ice cream sample spoonful of the Big Cat Show. Uh, you know, movie trailer looked terrible while we were off. Uh, Jurassic World. <sighs> that fucking movie. That I don't know if they were expecting a big, huge, like, ooh, look, a Jurassic World trailer's out reaction. Not with, but that, that trailer not with was... Star-Lord's terrible-ass acting. That shit was terrible. Evacuate the island. What kind of dinosaur did you cook up in that lab? Well, who wrote this no, he movie? Says, Depends on what kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. It's like, who wrote this fucking terrible Where's movie? Where's John Hammond? Get him on the phone. Oh, he's dead. Why don't I know? No, they played that at the end. That was the only good part. I had just I like the, the whole remastering any, of the song. The only thing good about that trailer was nostalgia for old movies. The, the new stuff looked terrible. New shit! They got the dinosaur sea world? Why would that be safe? That dinosaur's huge and it's right next to those people. How's no one been murdered? having a good time, like Shamu. Yeah, Shamu. Like Blackfish. Remember that? Yeah, it was a great movie. It was not. It's depressing as all <laughs> fucking hell. Really, I, was, I thought it was a laugh riot. I thought it was terrible. I laughed the whole way through. It was really sad. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, I, don't, I didn't need to tell you that. Shigar, uh, uh, of course, loved uh, Jurassic World. I bet he jizzed all over his jizz. He jizzes so much at, at at pop culture stuff that eventually he's just jizzing Welcome on top of jizz. To Jurassic Park. So is Jurassic World a sequel, or yeah. is it kind of like a reimagining? No, it takes place in the future, where apparently they've they've mastered the theme park technology, and it's a safe place to go. They said that last time. Well, yeah, but now it's been open for like a long time. Like it's established. Well, I guess it would be a good movie if it was just 
the same movie going to see again. Di- oh, just people going to see dinosaurs. Everything was safe. Everything's good. Well, oh, okay. the thing is now that the, the whole point is that the dinosaurs are tame. Like they're they're like there's a scene in the trailer where he's like riding alongside a pack of velociraptors. I'm like, what? Why? On a motorcycle. Yeah, it's like why are you you teamed up with these velociraptors? Did he put his, did he put his Star Lord suit on and fly away? Yep. It's crazy. I loved him in Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy, but I can't. I don't know if I can support him in his endeavors here. I just is Jeff I, Goldblum in it. He should be. Is, um, maybe the Laura Dern was that? Laura Dern was in it. Sam Neill. Is Sam Neill in it? No. Nope. Does he want to find that kid again? You know who is in it? In it oddly enough, uh, Nedry, <laughs> the guy from Seinfeld, Newman. He, he's in it. No, he's not. I was gonna say like he I'm died in the first died. one. Oh, you know, I mean, they implied that he died. They didn't actually show him dying. Now, here's something Chicago brings up. Is Samuel L. Jackson in it? I found my arm. I'm, so, I'm tired of these motherfucking dinosaurs on this motherfucking park. Do you think that the big surprise in that movie will be that they were able to save Samuel L. Jackson, but right. they had to bind his DNA with dinosaur DNA, and now he's a dinosaur Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. Played by Chris Bosch. <laughs> played by Chris Bosch. <laughs> he kind of looks like a dinosaur Samuel L. Jackson. It's terrible. Uh, no, I don't think that's... You know, I think the secret is in this movie. You know what the secret is? Love. Yeah, Lionheart's back, all right. You can grab him and Matt live on Thursday, 7 p.m. online at thebigcatshow.com. And then uh, I believe that's all podcasted out later on. You can find it in the usual spots. Tyson tossed us a clip this week from Hello Internet. A show I'm not familiar with. It features hosts CGP Gray and Bra- uh, Brady Heron. Now, I'm not sure what's up with those three initials, the CGP Gray thing, but according to their home site, the two guys kick around YouTube, life, work, and whatever else happens to come up. Gray's got several videos up there on YouTube under the title Gray Explains, and there is uh, one on the Lord of the Rings and one on robots and some other very interesting subjects. In the clip that Tyson sent along, Gray and Heron talk about the acquisition of Christmas trees. Look, while we're talking about Christmas, let me change the order of things a bit, because things are getting Christmassy. And yeah. you promised to send me a picture of your Christmas tree. Uh, yeah. You have not done this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I What's going on? Are you ashamed? No, I just, I honestly, I just, it, it hasn't crossed my mind. I can message my <laughs> wife in the other room right now if, if you want a picture of the Christmas tree. Yeah, I want it. I want it now during the show. You want it right now? Okay. I want it. I want it during the show. Let me message the missus. Get her onto it. I want to see this tree. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna give you a harder time about that. I did. I don't know if I told you. We 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 went and chose our tree. Mm-hmm. We like it's something we we've done it a couple of times now. Going and cutting it down ourselves, like choosing it and then like executing it in the forest. Hmm. Have you uh, have you ever done that? When I was growing up, we always had a plastic tree. We never had a real tree. Yeah. And with my wife now, she is the one who introduced the notion of real trees, which I think I touched <laughs> upon last time, which is something it would never occur to me to do. Yeah. And w- we have not done the go into the forest and pick out a tree just like they do in the movies thing, M- mainly because we're living in central London. And so it is a little bit difficult to get out into the forest. <laughs> and so we, o- we always end up just going to a couple of places that are, that are nearby and picking up some pre-selected trees pre-executed so, pre-executed trees yes that is that is what we do well next year you come out with us and do it and you can come and you can come and help us choose a tree because it's so much fun 
That sounds like a long day. That sounds like a long day. It's not. It's really easy and really fun. It's really good. They've got, it's like a farm, you know, it's a mm-hmm. tree farm. And mm-hmm. the one we went to this year was really good because they put ribbons on the ones you're allowed to cut down. Mm-hmm. And because, um, you know, some of them they're growing for future years. Mm-hmm. And at this particular place, every single one of them has like a name. Like mm-hmm. they, they've given it a fun name. So, you, And the name colors your choice in some ways as well as what the tree looks like. Wait, like wait, if, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. They've given the trees individual names. Yeah. Like this tree is called Tom. This Yeah. This well, the one we Mike. ended up with was called Spencer. Uh-huh. So we chose Spencer, but there are all sorts of cool names and, uh, yeah. That sounds it's, exhausting. Someone has to name all the trees. I'm, I'm envisioning it, a forest full of trees. That's it a did. lot of names. Well, it's not like a, it's not like a, you know, Return of the Jedi type forest that just stretches forever. It's a bit more. But even still, it's going to be I, like, I, I often go to Ikea and I marvel at all the names in Ikea. I think, oh, this is exhausting coming up with names for all of these products. I'm just envisioning, like, how many items are there in Ikea versus how many trees in this forest that you're going to. Yeah, no, you're right. It would, I would say he would have had to come up with a few hundred names at least. Yeah. I I often think that about people that run dog sanctuaries as well, when they've got to give all the dogs names. I find they tend to recycle their names a lot. Yeah, they must recycle the names. Yeah. They must recycle the names. I've got the picture of your Christmas tree. There you go. So, all right, what do you think? Are Are you okay with this? I have to say i like it yeah you've done well it's 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 quite close to our style as well so uh i can't um, even begin to tell you how dissatisfied i am with all the lights on this christmas tree no i like the lights it's got a nice balance but also a touch of randomness i think you've done well you do need it you do need a touch of randomness if it's too even it looks all wrong yeah but for, for some reason we have i don't know what this is i don't know what this is but we we bought some christmas tree lights mm. and okay right i'm gonna get some christmas tree lights that are in a string, yeah. right? So I can uh, arrange this. Have you gotten Christmas tree lights? They come in a, in a loop? Yes. You know what we've I'm got, talking we've about, We've got right? one that's a string and one that's a loop. Yeah. So some of our, our strands are these these loops. And I don't, under, I don't understand the reasoning for this. I don't understand why this is the case. And so I think, I think we have two strands that are loops and two strands that are single strands. Like, mm. you know, single strands in the way sanity deems it should be. Yeah. And a, as a result of this, I have had... A heck of a time trying to balance the lights to my satisfaction. And I find myself sitting on the couch looking at the tree and then just getting irritated because it doesn't look right. So I go over and try to adjust it. But because of this, the, the loop, loop strand disparity, I am not able to achieve satisfaction. So I am unhappy with the distribution of lights. I mean, lights, in this but- picture you've sent me, it looks like the lights at the top of the tree aren't actually switched on or i can't see them very well uh, i so. think that's just because of the lighting in the room okay I think so i can't i can't completely judge on how well you've done the lights but from what i can see i i find it quite pleasing yeah i do notice is the top of the picture cut off or is there no star on the tree nothing on top we have had some star difficulties this year do you want to share with the group? <laughs> I don't need to. I don't. I don't need to share every tiny detail of my fussiness about everything. This is not <laughs> necessary. We can just leave it that it that star acquisition was not satisfactory this year. Find more Hello Internet at hellointernet.fm, iTunes, and the other places that you get your podcasts from. I've got a blast to the podcast past for you up next. Friends of Succotash Davian Dent and Jason McNamara, also known as Jabs from the D-Head Factor podcast down under, had done a six-part detective spoof podcast called The Kundalini Files a couple of years ago. Davian has recut and remastered those shows and put them together into something he calls a feature-length show, which he calls The Kundalini Files Redux. 
Davian plays Eli Taffis, and Jabs is Ryan Jackson. In the clip that Davian sent in to us, the two detectives are attempting to escape from the nefarious Dr. Lazarus, voiced by Dr. Norman Trousers from the Chasm Earth podcast, and in the process, they're interrupted when they run into a geeky lab scientist, played by Belasco, from the Sweet Feathery Jesus podcast. The Bitter Sound presents The Kundalini Files by Davian Dent. Fuck me, mate. You made it. Uh, yes. What? Ignore my colleague. He has detachment issues, shall we say. Um, I was just having a shit. You went to the toilet? Yep. I had a right good clear out. About no, this. No, 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 no. There's no toilets in this lab. Yeah, I know that. I came from out there. But you're not wearing a security ID. Hey, calm down. I let him in. But you're not wearing a security ID either. I'm calling the guards. Ah, you fucking dickhead. Huh? Get off me! Shut it. Hey! Help me! Hold. Who goes there? Security breach level one. Shoots and kill. No! Fuck you, Tin Ribs. Oh man, this sucks. He's uh, really bad. What should we do? Chip me up. It's the only way. I can't die like this. What, are you sure, man? I want more life, fucker! Okay, man, chill. Let's do this. Find image. Process engage. Execute. Image complete. Did it work? Hello? Yes, it worked. Nice one. So you help us escape and break the story? Well, what else can I do? I'm currently imprisoned on a computer chip and facing a very bleak future. So what's the plan? Teleportation, baby. Check this out. Look, that's what I use for the main console. What the? Is that a... Atari 2600. Sure is, baby. I just need to put a blank cartridge in to trigger the teleport subroutines, and away we go. Hey, wow. He's got this 80s arcade classics cartridge. Top retro fun time. Shit, we've got to get out of here now. Quick, into the teleport. Follow me. I'll hold him off. Run. Shit, the cartridge. Ryan. What? I'm kind of busy here. Ah. Take that, you robot fuck. Put the cartridge in. Okay, okay. Load data cartridge. Here we go! 80s arcade classics. What? Oh, shit. Where are we? I'm not sure. We're in a corridor. Maybe the main power's out. Look, there's lighting spots on the floor leading up and down this corridor. Guys? Shit, leg it. Down there. Ah, fuck, they're gaining on us. How the bloody hell are we supposed to escape this? Well, at a rough guess, I'd say we have to finish the level to break out of the subroutine. Wonderful. Shit, there's one coming right at us. Down there, go now, now. We're trapped. Ryan, jump into the power pill. What? You remember the game, right? Jump into the power pill now. All right. Wow. Come on, you fuckers! Yeah! He 
Eli, quick! I'll guide you around the maze. Gotcha! Take that, you ghost fuck. Come on! Yes! I fucking got him. Eli, let's finish these dots and get the hell out of here. Not too many to go now. Oh shit, here they come again. Down there! You don't have to tell me twice, mate. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. Teleport complete. Did they escape? Yes, sir. Hmm. A rather unfortunate development. If you say so, sir. We need to cover our tracks and tie up some loose ends. Initiate Project Kundalini. Yes, sir. You can get the entirety of the Kundalini Files Redux from Davian Dent's home site at thebittersound.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Now, I'm going to assume that if you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, that you're a fan of both comedy and podcasts. That combo probably can't get much better than on a show called Comedy on Vinyl. Normally, the comedy nerds on the show, headed up by host Jason Clam, talk about the greatest comedy vinyl albums of all time. Our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, found an intriguing break from that format with their epi one uh, 119, featuring guest Jimmy Pardo, host of the Never Not Funny podcast. He brought the chat around to the um, effect that Richard Lewis's 1985 TV special I'm in Pain had on him. When you hear those Robert Klein albums or this special that we just watched, mm. the, uh, the I'm in Pain, which I loved revisiting, so I was glad that you said cool, because yeah. I love to look back at it, and it reminded me that in 85, I was, uh, uh, I was in my teens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and was in the record business, managing record stores, and I was going to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and uh, apparently I wanted to be a comedian. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't know that I, I knew that then. Okay. It, it, living in that moment, I didn't, but then watching this special again from 85, it was like, oh no, that's, yes, of course I wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. And it brought all those memories back. It brought all back of when I was when I snuck in to see Stephen Wright. When I snuck in to see Richard Lewis, uh, Jay Leno, Bobby Slayton, uh, guys in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was underage. And I would go with a guy that was of a, of age, of course. And it wasn't as strict back then, of course, with the IDs and stuff. And they, I guess, they presumed if you waited in line for two hours to see Jay Leno, that you were no underage moron would wait that long. Right. so incredibly well here i gotta tell you i i just spent about a week with family and i am absolutely thrilled and delighted to be here in front of strangers you have no idea <laughs> can't believe it my, I, my well my mother she put a satellite dish up I said, gee, why don't you do the sports? Now, I can't imagine discussing, like, the pennant race. With it. But it was, believe me, it was like, it, it had to be like a Jewish satellite dish. It picked up problems from other families. It's like... <laughs> oh. 
got to breathe. I got to learn how to breathe. I want to relax. I'm glad to be here. I had, uh, I have pressure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking to the club. I'm walking to this club. I've been here years. I love. It's unbelievable. I'm just trying to relax. I walk to the club, tippy toe in, to avoid any kind of anxiety. And uh, hey, what happens? A cop his car is like sort of driving down. There's a guy without his headlights on. So they have these like loud speakers. It's like you know Yankee Stadium on top of the car. And the, and the guy goes. So the cop goes. I get confused myself. But it was, I'm into the cop car now. <laughs> The cop goes, uh, put on your headlights. So, oh, sure. The guy put it on, but he like went over a canyon. It was so counterproductive, you know? And I'm just walking. I'm just walking alone. The cop sees me, goes, stop blaming your childhood. He's like, oh, you know, kind of like... Going in. So it was funny to, to watch, to, to know that I did all that. And then when somebody says, well, when did you want to be a comedian? It's like, well, I don't know. Well, apparently I knew. <laughs> of course. And this special, and this speaks to what you said, the Robert, Cl- uh, the Richard Lewis... That audience is responding. Yeah. They never seen anything like it. 100%. They never saw anybody deconstruct what they just said. Mm-hmm. And to watch, there's one guy specifically in the audience who uh, just is tickled by everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's a great... And Go ahead. Question. I'm talking too much. No. You said this is oh, how it goes. Keep uh, talking. So I... I uh, so I, I get, basically, I'm saying thank you for letting me, uh, for making me revisit that special. Thank you for making me watch it. Uh, isn't it great? Yeah, it is great. I mean, I, there's there's a thing I have to do sometimes if I'm watching something I didn't grow up with uh, to avoid the feeling, oh, I've seen this before, or oh, this is hackneyed. You have to put your mind in a particular place. You do. Because when I listen to the Smothers Brothers, I'm like, I know I've heard this before, but I'm like, I know that audience hasn't. So if you ha- if you put yourself in that place, so by doing that, by watching this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this, that's why it feels fresh. I could tell why it felt fresh, and I, you know, I wa- I probably watched stand up as a kid with my parents on TV, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the first thing that because when I when I'm listening to something and I'm I don't always compare it with the person who's coming on the show to talk about it, but that the speed was definitely the first thing that popped into my head. Just that, but I couldn't tell, and I still can't tell how much of that. Like what of it is scripted? What of it is just a layout? What of it? I have no idea. I would think, and, I, and again, I don't know either. Sure, you know he's a man that brings you know that scroll of notes on the piano. Yes, and I think he's got. And obviously, if you watch more than one show of Richards, you know he does the same joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he flubs a word, he's going to talk about it. You mm-hmm. know, in the way that I do it, or Andy Kindler does it, Todd sure. Glass does it, uh, of the modern day guys, uh-huh. and. Um, uh, I guess again, in watching this special from '85, just realize you know how influential he was on my career. Mm-hmm. The URL for Comedy on Vinyl is way too long for me to rattle off here, so Google Comedy on Vinyl or check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or Player FM. There's an author named J- uh, Jeff Hoff. He does a lot of self-help books on writing and other topics, including one on how to start your own podcast. He recently started doing a humor podcast himself called That Would Be Me. Refreshingly, these are pretty short installments, and the subjects are presented in an observational style, which is a nice break from the glut of pop culture casts that seem to be propagating faster than ever. Here's a recent episode reflecting on New Year's. This week, I'm going to tell you about a series of parties from my toddlerhood. Parties I remember vividly. Parties I never was allowed to actually attend. When I was a child, I grew up at my grandparents' inn. The property consisted of two buildings. One was where the tavern and restaurant were. The other was a boarding house where we stayed. 
Every year for New Year's Eve, Grandma would throw a huge party for all the regular customers and patrons. She'd plan it for a month. She'd send out personalized invitations, gather supplies, etc. I never got to be at one of those parties. I was much too young. But I loved helping set them up the day before and tear them down the day after. We'd spend most of the day before the party blowing up balloons, which we'd rub in our hair to build up static electricity, then stick to the ceiling. Blowing up balloons was one of the joys of being a child, that and static electricity. Of course, after blowing up ten or twenty balloons, that part of the joy wore a bit thin, especially when looking at what seemed like hundreds of thousands of limp-colored rubber left in the packages waiting for my tired breath. One of the joys of being an adult, it seems, was touching your lit cigarette to a balloon stuck to the ceiling to pop it. I wasn't as fond of that. There were always streamers and decorations to put up and party hats and noisemakers to unpack. We got to make noise with them, but didn't get to pull the poppers, which were little tubes wrapped in tissue paper that, when they were pulled apart, would explode and shower tiny bits of paper everywhere. Once the streamers and decorations were up and the noisemakers and hats distributed around the tavern and restaurant, we'd have dinner, then be sent to bed. What happened between going to bed and waking up the next morning was a mystery to us. But when we got up, the floor would be littered with confetti, pop balloons, crumpled hats, cigarette butts, and noisemakers. The bar was strewn with empty drink glasses. That was the one night of the year Grandma wouldn't wash every glass before going to bed. Crumpled napkins and stale, half-eaten hors d'oeuvres. There were usually a few balloons floating around the floor that had somehow escaped the sad fate of their fellows and one or two hanging on to the ceiling tenaciously, if slightly precariously. It was a delightful mess that we found thrilling, our illicit glimpse into the world of grown-ups. And we got to play with the surviving balloons and noisemakers. I had to keep my balloons away from my uncle, though, who was always around the day after, nursing a hangover, I imagine. His favorite prank was to sneak up behind me and touch his lit cigarette to my balloon. I got very good at hearing him sneak. I've hated pranks of all stripes since. As I grew up, I had my fair share of New Year's Eve parties, but none were quite as exciting as what I imagined those shindigs happening during my childhood slumber must have been. Even the several years that I traveled to Las Vegas for that decadent yearly gathering didn't quite measure up to my childhood imaginings. These days, New Year's Eve is much less illicit and, I fear, much less exciting. I usually pour a glass of wine or a shot of Crown Royal, listen to music or watch a movie, watch the ball drop in Times Square, then go to bed. So much for the illicit world of grown-ups. But every time I see little tin boxes with a handle that you spin around to make noise with, one of those coils of paper with a mouthpiece that uncurled, squealed, then curled back when you blew into them, confetti of any type, or, of course, a balloon stuck to the ceiling, I remember the excitement of setting up for Grandma's parties. And I recall, once again, the bacchanal I imagined in my naive little brain in which I so longed to participate. Happy New Year's, everyone. Give a listen to Jeff Hoff at thatwouldbeme.net and follow his links to his e-course, The Magic of Podcasts, if you've got a hankering to get into the podcast game yourself. Hi, this is your friend in podcasting, Phil Lairness of your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. And I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Pass the succotash. It's the Comedy Podcast Podcast. So I'm experimenting now with dragging the tweet sack toward the end of the show. Hope you're okay with that, Tweety. Let's see what we've got going on in here. 
John Dredge has a new short YouTube sketch up called The Job Interview. Now, he's a clever, inventive guy, has a funny podcast, and the link to his video can be found uh, up on our show blog at SuccotashShow.com. So take a look at that. It's a pretty short little video. I think it's like a minute and a half, and uh, it's pretty funny. Our friend Paul Mercurio of the Paul Mercurio Show wants me to let people know he's just had Larry the Cable Guy on his podcast, so be sure to check that out over on the Sideshow Network. Samantha Pett of the Kimchi Chronicle was wondering if our succotash buttons and zipper pulls are free, even if someone lives overseas. My answer is a conditional yes. I will still mail, uh, I'll mail them out for free, but I have to get to the post office to do it if it's outside the U.S., and I am alternately too busy or too lazy, so, so it takes me a while to get to the post office. Nonetheless, I will make my best effort to send a couple of those items off to Samantha in South Korea. I got a note from Hannah, who's with a company that makes a product called PodClear, which she says is, quote, a tool for podcasters that allows for pristine out-of-studio interview audio quality, unquote. Love that. And I love even more that they want me to be a beta tester for it. So I'll let you know more once I get a chance to play with it, Uh, especially you other podcasters might find this pretty interesting. And finally, just today, podcast Dan from the Taco Tuesday podcast tweeted that he's now hiring me as their marketing director because, as his partner in crime, Adam Wolf, pointed out, we've tweeted more about their show in the past two weeks than he's done since they started. I replied that the podcasts we feature win big because when I get too busy to do my next show, we just keep tweeting about the things we're playing in the last show. Uh, But sorry, guys, when this epi drops, looks like you're going to be off of our Twit stream for a while. (laughs) Here's a list of uh, so many of the folks who tweeted, retweeted, favorited, followed, or DM'd us on Twitter or liked us on Facebook the last couple of weeks. Paul Provenza, Dr. Norman Trousers, I still owe you your Succotash zipper pulls, Doc. They are on their way. Ben Hindle, Christine Blackburn, Dana Carvey, Pass the Gravy, Radio Silence, Jordan Brady, Titus Andronanoncast, People Who Matter, Mimi Tao, Stefania Rudd, Adam Barker, Tennis Minutes Show, Talk Rubbish Podcast, Becky B, Screams and Moans, Mark Ibbotson, uh, Crash Course Comedy, Monster Party, Gabriel Diani, Illusionoid, The Podcast Digest, Podcasting Now, Bob Zaney, Aaron O'Connor, Nigel Boydell, Sideshow Network, Skippy Bacru, Vampira 666, San Diego Sabrina, The Wrong Foot Podcast, DAPF Pod, Annalise, Jeffrey Welchman, Podcast Whore, uh, Roa Centaur, The High T Cast, The Lo-Fi Show, The Projection Booth, Raining Lunatic, Verbal Shotgun, Tom Jackson Jr., Joe Tingley, The Podcast in the Woods, and Cocktails and Kimonos. There's your tweet sack for this episode. If you want me to read uh, or plug something, you can submit it to the tweet sack by either putting at Succotash Show into your tweet or else email me at M-A-R-C, that's Mark, at SuccotashShow.com. Let's finish out the show as we started with another Burst o' Durst. I'm running a tad behind on getting this one out, but it is never too late to hear our resident political comedian's gift wish list for the new year. 
Hey guys, Will Durst here to congratulate everyone for getting through the holy days. And that's spelled D-A-Z-E. And while we salute all you incredibly stalwart consumers for navigating demolition derby parking lots in the honorable quest of sinking heavily into debt to celebrate the birth of that Jewish hippie kid, let us also take this time to offer up to the least deserving of us our annual scathingly incisive yet perennially trenchant Will Durst's 2014 Christmas gift wish list. These are the presents that folks presumably did not receive wrapped in brightly colored packages under dangerously dry fir trees, but most certainly deserved. For the Democrats in Congress, scuba gear until they learn to grow gills for breathing underwater. For the Republicans in Congress, enough rope to tie up Obama's agenda for two years, but not enough to hang themselves with. For Ted Cruz, a money order in the exact amount of a one-way ticket for the Clue train. For Harry Reid, a big old lazy boy recliner so at least he can be comfortable while doing nothing. For Malaysian Airlines, a name change. For Jeb Bush, a name change. For Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, more Republicans to support his run for the presidency and less Democrats. For Speaker of the House John Boehner, a gift certificate for a surgical procedure to remove that unsightly Tea Party growth clinging to his back. For medical science to study, Dick Cheney's heart, George Bush's brain, and Barack Obama's leadership skills. For Scott Brown, cheap property in either Vermont or Maine. For Bill Cosby, Harry Potter's invisibility cloak. For Fidel Castro, a tricked-out 2015 Ford F-150 to replace his 59 Chevy. And for Shia LaBeouf, a watch that tells time in increments of 15 minutes. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Enjoy Will at his home site, willdurst.com, and also tweeting at Will Durst on Twitter. And the first show of Season 2 is done. Let me know what you thought of our first Succotash clip show. And up next, we'll have a Succotash Chats edition so you can compare the two flavors of Succotash. Now, one way you can help us out as we move into Season 2 is to get up to iTunes so you can rate and review us. You would be amazed what a couple of sentences and five stars can do for our rankings. Neither of which, by the way, costs you a dime. However, to help us out in a more substantial way, there's always the Donate button up on SuccotashShow.com. We also have t-shirts, mugs, and other merchandise with our brand new Succotash logo now up at the Succotashery, which you can find through our home site, SuccotashShow.com. Well, thanks for listening, and be sure to pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212.
Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye.